Well, again, turn with me to Psalm 16. Can I ask a question? And the question is simply this. What gives you the confidence that all will be well? Or to put it another way, what are you relying on from day to day? What gives you that, yes, I can do this. Yes, this will be okay. What is your answer to that? Well, for many people, people come up with answers such as money, the skills to pay the bills, come up with family, security, pension, all these things people look to, to give them confidence to go on into the future. Indeed, we can add to the, the list health. We can live, uh, add to the list pleasures. All these things can, can help us to keep going. But all those things indeed do give a degree of joy and indeed security. But here's the thing. None of them can last. None of those things can give ultimate security. God has never promised us those things. And when those things do come, they are a gift that do not last forever. Indeed, we live in a world marked by uncertainty. And this certainly is not the new creation that we're living in. We live in a fallen world. Therefore, we are to expect things to go wrong. And all those things that people rely on, yes, they have value, but they cannot be relied upon. Any more than you would take a cardboard box and stand on it to change a light bulb. Would you do that? If you did that, what would happen? The box would immediately collapse. Because a box is not built for your weight. Any more than all those things that we tend to rely on can hold up your weight. Your confidence needs to be in something so much better. So much more lasting. So much more solid. Sadly, we do trust in those little things, those passing things. As Proverbs 23, 5 says, Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will shall surely sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. But we do trust in those things, and we need to recognise who we should truly trust in. And David here before us, David in this psalm, is helping us to see just who and where our confidence should lie. Our confidence on into the future, both now and forever. And so this psalm, therefore, and especially in the light of Jesus' resurrection, tells us that we can face uncertain days with great confidence. Why? Because Jesus lives. Because Jesus lives, I can face tomorrow. All fear is gone. And that's what we learn from this psalm. So let's briefly go through it now. Let's do that now. So let's have a look, first of all, at... Click. <laughs> Thank you. Let's first of all look at confidence now. Look at verses 1 to 8. You know, quite often I, I'm shocked when people ask me for directions. 
Maybe it's the way I explain it, but it's happened on, uh, to me a number of times. People come to me and tell me where to go, and I say, well, you need to go up that way, turn left, then right. And they say, oh, thank you very much. And the meeting, they then go that way. And I'm thinking, why did you do that? I've just told you it's that way. But instead you're going this way. Why? Alas, there's something in all of us that choose to go the wrong way. But David here, especially in verses 1 to 4, is really contrasting the right way and the wrong way. He is contrasting the way of blessing and the way of, of more struggles and sorrows and, uh, and everything else. He wants us to see there is a, a sharp difference that those who are trusting in the living God, the, the promise-keeping, promise-making God, have every reason to have confidence in him. And so let's look at that contrast because he, he wants to make it abundantly clear that those who are running after other gods, you see that there in verse 4? They essentially forfeit the grace that could be theirs. They will suffer, quote, more and more, verse 4. And there are many gods out there. And they come in all different shapes and sizes. They don't have to be made of wood, silver or gold. Those gods can be of money, of pleasure, of ease, fame, respect. And we want that as parents. And so often, our gods, when we bring up our, our, our kids, is the god of respect. Well, there's no point running after those things. Indeed, self-sufficiency. These are some of the many gods that we can inadvertently put our trust in and run after. To reject the Lord, the creator, the promise-keeping God, is to go the wrong way. And it is to mount up struggles and, and problems for us. And in contrast, David here shows us what true faith in God looks like. Or shall I say, what faith in the true God looks like. And the joys that flow from that. Look at verse 1. Because he has confidence now. Why? Because he depends on the Lord. The Lord is his refuge. He is the one that he is depending upon. Keep me safe, Lord. He knows he's weak. He knows he's not all-powerful. He knows he has struggles. But he knows where to go. And that's the most important thing. He goes to the Lord. And indeed he says of the Lord in verse 2, using the ESV translation, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. In other words, what he's saying here is that you can have the money, you can have skills, you can have family, you can have security, you can have your pension, all those things. But if you don't know the Lord, those things are no good to you. Because your true good needs to be not in those things, but in the Lord himself. 
And your confidence needs to be in him, not in them. Because apart from the Lord, we have no good. Isn't this what Jesus said? When he says to all those listening, what good is it if a man, person, gains the whole world? And yet what? Forfeits his soul. What good is it? You can have everything. But if you don't have the Lord, you have nothing. And he goes on to look at verse 5. He sees the Lord as his portion and his cup. He knows that his food and his drink and indeed his lot, his security, comes from the Lord. So he can speak of the Lord as his cup, the Lord as his portion, the Lord as his lot. Because the Lord is what really matters. If he has the Lord, he has everything. You know, so often I've had people come to me and say, my life would be so much better if I was this, if I was that, if I was married, if I had children, if I had a job, if I had a, a better security, if I had a house. But what does the scripture say here? The Lord is my cup, my portion, my lot. You know, when I was growing up, my, my parents urged me to get security, to buy a house. Uh, and the Israelites had the same kind of thinking. that they, they fell into this trap of seeing the land as their security, as their inheritance. But notice what David says in verse 6. Ultimately, in the light of the context, he's essentially saying that his inheritance is not actually in the land, but actually in the faithful God himself. He is looking to the Lord. And therefore, he is not afraid. He is not afraid when things go wrong. He is not afraid when property has to be sold, when they have to leave the land. He's not afraid when, when food prices go up or the shelves are empty. Because ultimately, he has the Lord. If you have the Lord, you have everything. That's why your confidence can be in him. Isn't this amazing? I and mean, imagine you were an Israelite long before Jesus came. And you were in exile. You were far from the land. You've got to give, promise them a land. But they were thrown from it. And you had this psalm. And you could say, wow. Actually, although I don't have any land anymore, I have something even better. I have the Lord. No wonder they could sing the songs of Zion in a foreign land. Because they had this hope. They had the Lord. And if you have the Lord, you have everything. What a comfort. What a joy. And so knowing the Lord is better than having all this stuff. No wonder he says in verse 7, I will praise the Lord. Literally he says, I will bless the Lord. And here the idea is, is in response to all that God has done, it's saying, actually, I want to give you, I want to give you something, God. I want to be a blessing to you. 
That's an astounding thought, isn't it? Now, of course, we can't do that. There's nothing that we can give to God that improves his lot, if you, if you like. But the idea should still be the same. The attitude should still be there. When we praise God, we're actually saying, I want to do some good to your name. I want to do some good to you. Why? Because he goes on to say, For the Lord, you give me counsel. You guide me in the ways that I should take. Indeed, you change my emotions. But my heart, when the Hebrews spoke of that they wouldn't speak of the heart in the way that you and me do. They, they, they speak of the kidneys. My, my kidneys instruct me. That's really strange to, to us today. But what he's essentially saying is my emotions, my renewed emotions, they instruct me because God is changing me. God now shapes me and tells me the way I should go. Indeed, he goes on to say, verse 7, that the Lord is at my right hand. The Lord is with me. The Lord walks with him. Through sorrows, through joys, through griefs, through celebration, throughout life, David knows true security because the Lord is with him. Therefore, we can have confidence right now because of all these things. Now, before we come to the very heart of this psalm, and indeed the heart of the Easter hope, you can know this God, not merely from David's words, but actually, you can know David's God and hope through David's greater son. Not just from his words, but through him, Jesus Christ. Indeed, it is through faith in Christ Jesus that you can be accepted this morning. That you can know this confidence in the living God. Maybe you have taken your eyes off him. Well, look afresh to him. Look at verse 8. We read these words. I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I shall never be shaken. Maybe this morning you have indeed looked away. You put your confidence in other things. Recognize that they are just a mere cardboard box. They cannot support you. You need to look to the Lord. To have confidence now, but also confidence forever. Because here we come finally to the heartbeat of the psalm. And in a sense, all the songs and the readings have already expounded this for us. So there's not much more for me to do now. But what we do see here is we can have confidence forever, verses 9 to 11. Because David knows that his flesh, his body, will rest secure. We see that there in the text. Nothing will ultimately harm him. Death holds no terrors for him. For he will be with the Lord. Because the Lord cares for him. Not only in life, but here's the thing, also in death. That is astounding. You see, this hope is there right in the depths of the Old Testament. He has confidence in the Lord, both now and forever. But we do come to a problem. Because the problem is simply this. And it's a problem that, that David 
and Paul raised. Turn with me to Acts 2. Because David is still dead. His body, if you like, is still in the tomb. Yes, we know he's, he's with his saviour, yes. But his body is still there in the tomb. This is what Acts 2 verse 29 says at the, near the end of, of Peter's sermon. He says this, Acts 2 29. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. Peter goes on to explain that David was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would take that what would take place of one of his descendants on sorry God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. So see what was to come. He spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor his body see decay. Paul says the same thing in Acts 13. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. In other words, David spoke clearer than he realised. He used the word to speak of the hope, but as a prophet, he actually spoke clearer than he realised. He spoke as the Messiah, as Jesus, that you will not let me see decay. And so, on the third day, the women went to the tomb, looking for the dead among the dead. But they made a mistake, because they shouldn't have been looking for the dead. They should have been looking for the living. And so the angel said, he is not here, he is alive. He is risen. Do you see the significance of this? Jesus' body did not see decay, as was promised in the scriptures, but has truly risen. Yes, Jesus was the one who perfectly submitted to his Father, who lived a sinful, a sinless life for rebels like us, and yet he died for people such as us. Yet God raised him to life. And if you were reunited with Jesus in his death, then we will certainly be united with him in his resurrection. Because Jesus is alive forevermore. God kept his word. All those who are trusting in Jesus shall be raised to life. So this morning I say it is absolutely true. David's body is but dust. But there will come a day, a glorious day, where of a blink of an eye, a, tr a, a trump of a, 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 of a trumpet, the dead shall be raised to life. Perishable shall be clothed with the imperishable, the corruptible with the incorruptible, and we shall live forevermore 
not merely with Jesus in heaven, but in the new creation where all will be remade. And we can have confidence this morning. Why? Because Jesus is alive. Just as, um, just as the, the first fruits tell us, oh, spring is coming. Well, the, the, the blossom on the trees tell us spring is coming. So we can be sure with the resurrection that all will be put right. So we can have confidence now and forever. And this means that we can have joy and hope, even in uncertain days. This week I, I heard of Pastor Carl. Uh, he received confirmation that he has been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And this is what he said. This was just three days ago, four days ago now. For those of us of faith, our lives are in God's hands. I'll get a new body one day. Yes, there are trials ahead. But I know that my life is in God's hands. I've read the last page of the Bible. I know it's all going to be okay. God has a purpose in this, in Parkinson's. And I choose to cooperate with that purpose, whatever that may be. He goes on to say this, it will be tough, but the overarching narrative is of joy and hope. And that is how we can face uncertain days. Because the overarching narrative is joy, is hope. The empty tomb shows us Jesus is alive. He will not, he did not let his Holy One see decay. And nor will he let any of his faithful ones see decay. <laughs> not ultimately. Because we will be changed. That is our hope. Therefore, whatever this week holds for you, whether it be great joy, or dare I say great sorrow, you can face those difficult days because Jesus lives. So rejoice and celebrate and be glad. Let's face it, look at this psalm. Look at verses 9 to, 10 to 11. Therefore, my heart is what? Say it for me. My heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Such is our hope, because Jesus lives. So do not run after other gods. Trust in the true God who sent his son to die and rose and raised him to life for us. Amen. Let's come to God in prayer. Father, we celebrate again of the great hope we have in Jesus. And therefore, Father, because Jesus lives, we can have confidence 
Not only in the future, but right now. We can be certain that all of what your word says is true. That if we have you, then it doesn't matter what we do or don't have in this world. It's all passing anyway. But in, in, in Christ, we have something of infinite worth. Something that no thief can, can take away. No moth can eat holes in. No t- tarnish. Nothing that, that, that time can tarnish. Or be outdated, such as our technology. No, here we have treasure kept in heaven. Kept for us. And therefore, may we continue to encourage one another and point to one another the great hope we have in him. So, Father, help us as we sing at our final hymn of, of praise to you and reminding one another of the great hope that we have. Hear our prayers. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.